electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I hope you want to make friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Just when we get an amazing labor report, one that showed excellent job growth without a lot of wage inflation, a dream come true for the stock market. We couldn't appreciate it because we caught a nightmare of a story out of Ukraine. The Russians fire on a nuclear power plant complex, something that could have led to a tragedy of epic proportions. So instead of rallying on news that should make Fed Chief Jay Powell's job a lot easier, we sold off again. Dow slipping 180 points, one time much worse than that. S&P tumbling 0.79%, and NASDAQ plunging 1.66%. Boy, is it sick of the NASDAQ. The Ukraine situation is turning into an absolute nightmare, one that, that no one can stop except Vladimir Putin. And obviously, that's not happening. We all wish we could do something to stop this crisis, but Russia is a nuclear power. And looking at Putin's unhinged behavior, we don't want to give him a chance to use them. I know it sounds like there's no hope, but as I told the CMC Investing Club in our monthly meeting earlier today, I hope you joined it. We have to keep our eyes out for potential winners no matter what. I mean, look, consider the rails. They're soaring as a way to move commodities, especially coal, which has become red hot lately thanks to the global energy shortage. Consider any oil stock, any oil service stock, any utility stock, or the safety stocks we talked about just last night. They are working even as tech, led down by endless rumors of weakness, just roll over uh, no matter what they say. I mean, look at the drug stocks, will you? So what does next week look like? I don't know. I think we got to go to our game plan because you'll see how treacherous this market can be. Uh, we're going to have to parse through the weekend's Ukrainian news on Monday because you know, we now know it. it matters much more than pretty much anything that's here, including employment report, the big daddy of the most important report there is. The decline in stocks after that great employment report really was eye-opening. But on Monday, we have to consider what I think is one of the most exciting battlegrounds out there. And that's Kohl's. Yes, the department store chain with an, with an analyst meeting. This is a pure financial clash. Activist investors claiming that management isn't doing enough to bring out shareholder value. And the company buying back stock hand over fist while doubling its quarterly dividend to 50 cents. Now, that's a pretty hefty amount. You could say, what do they have to do to make the activists happy? 
But you know what? I love unsatisfied activists. I think Kohl's is now a win-win situation for you, because even if they don't tell a good story, the activist pressure will grow and management's much more likely to capitulate. Tuesday, we hear from a there's a puzzling one. Dick Sporting Goods. It's got a stock that's actually down nearly 5% for the year. I think it could be worth owning. This is a quality franchise with a terrific CEO and a business that I think should thrive post-COVID. I know the retailers have been up and down lately. Apparel was so bad today. Oh, my. To the point where many of these retailers have become too hard to call. But this one could be a buy both before and after the quarter. After the close, we have three kinds of hated stocks uh, reporting. I think they'll tell us a lot about this tenor of the market. Uh, first, we have uh, MongoDB. You know, that's one of the many database software companies out there. It's going fast, but losing a ton of money. Not too long ago, Wall Street used to love a company that grew fast and lost a ton of money. Now, they just feel total contempt for them. Next is Bumble. Now, that's an online dating platform with a stock that's down more than 75%, 75% from its initial highs. Uh, maybe romance is dead? Then there's Stitch Fix, the online apparel play with a stock that's plunged from $75 less than a year ago to 11 today. Remember, apparel bad. All of these names live in the heart of the bear market we're experiencing. So Tuesday night will be a great test to see if any of them have fallen far enough to mark a bottom. Anything's possible. I recommend taking your cue from how these stocks actually behave. If, if it's even a little positive on uncertain earnings, then you may want to find some growth names in that sector with similar profiles that are making money and do survive. Wednesday, Campbell Super Ports, and it's worth watching because we've got a newfound love for the food stocks out here. See, we had a great quarter from Hormel. They liked it. They liked that McCormick quarter, the spice company. So now we got to see, well, maybe Campbell's gives you a, a moderate gains here. Now, I, actually, I think if they just do a decent quarter, it will fly. Remember, there is always a bull market somewhere. They do have to get the raw cost down, though. Uh, if, if they're going to please Wall Street, they have to not talk about supply chain. You know, I'm a huge believer in cybersecurity. And with the wave of attacks on the likes of Russia, China, and North Korea, they couldn't be hotter. In particular, I've championed Palo Alto Networks, but also CrowdStrike, where CEO George Kurtz has built an excellent business. We saw him on recently. I suspect that CrowdStrike will deliver great numbers on Wednesday after the close. But once again, if inflation spikes that day, something happens bad with Ukraine, what I say here won't matter. SPACs have become laughing stocks with the only with only the extremely long term oriented Kathy Wood mm, seeming to champion them anymore. On Thursday, I've got one that I want to see can whether they can wake up the SPACs. We hear from a company called Wheels Up, the highly promotional private jet company with a stock that's now down nearly 70 percent since the SPAC merger closed. It's an incredible dog. Can Wheels Up say anything to breathe new life into its stock? Because they are a boisterous bunch over there. I bet they'll tell their story loud and clear. But what matters is whether or not they can turn a profit. Remember, this is a cohort that didn't think profitability would matter, at least not at any point in the next few years. And now it's the only thing that matters. If you want to know which stock is the best chance of roaring higher next week, I'd put my money on Ulta Beauty, which reports after the close on Thursday. The consistency of this cosmetics retailer is, quite frankly, amazing. Could be the loyalty program. I bet its numbers will go up a great deal post-COVID. Uh, it's well run. Uh, it's got great customer affinity. And it's a fine growth story. Ulta has it all right here. Except it's not uh, now and has never been a cheap stock. But sometimes that's what happens when you're the best of breed. And you know I always say by best of breed. Also, after the close Thursday, we get results from DocuSign. Now, the number one question is, when can they shake off the COVID stock moniker? Uh, 
DocuSign's such a great company with such a good product, and we know it's been used all over the place. Stock trades as though its growth is now a thing of the past. Sometimes I wonder if the thing has to spend a year in purgatory to see how it does versus the current quarter. Like Zoom, it's COVID's doppelganger. DocuSign's a very good company with a very, very bad stock. Hey, how about Rivian? The bloom is sure off the rose for these nascent electric vehicle stocks, aren't they? Ever since the November peak in growth stocks, that's what happened. Rivian's prime example. Remember, this market has no time for money losers. It wants companies that make and sell stuff for a profit, especially when they return some of those profits to shareholders. Oil. That's just not the case with these newer electric vehicle plays that have been losers for ages now. Rivian's practically the poster child for this group. Well, maybe Lucid is. I don't know. Maybe Fisker. Maybe a wall. Hey, on Thursday, eBay holds its investor day. I'm always getting questions about this one. I think it's now a pretty clear story about uh, an exchange where you can sell anything. To me, that's worth something. Uh, But they did report a mixed quarter. Let's see what this new slimmed-down eBay really looks like. Maybe we'll take it for a test drive. Finally, on Friday, we have an incredibly important analyst meeting, ATT. Now, this is a company with uniquely terrible management. We're talking wall of shame bad, and I got no desire to touch it. But Hope Springs Eternal, for many of you watch, so I'll listen to see if there's any reason whatsoever to think even remotely positively about this incredibly poor performer. Bottom line, if you're wondering whether we can have yet another hideous week ahead, just ask yourself, do you see the war in Ukraine any, any, anytime soon? Yeah, that's what I thought. How about Jacob in North Carolina? Jacob! Jim Cramer, booyah! Booyah, man, you got me! Uh, yes, sir. Um, I just wanted to oh, I'll enjoy those pics you posted with your dogs on Twitter, by the way. I love my dogs. Uh, yes, sir. But um, I, uh, thank you. And I, I love your show. Love your show. And a but, shout um, out, unfortunately, to, to Chuck Robbins, who's dealing with the death of his dog. And we all know that these, you know, unless you have a dog, you just don't know what it means. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I had to be a little off base. What's up, Jake? Uh, uh, yes, sir. Dog lovers, of course. Um, my question is about Regeneron. Um, I know it's a stock you like. I got in late. His stock has been range bound for several months, but it's outperformed the IBB. Um, I, I, my question is, isn't it going to face tough comps ahead in the next few months due to the lack uh, look, of sales? Uh, i got Jacob. If that ILEA competitor ha- had delivered, then yes, but they sure didn't. So I think you're in the catbird seat with Regeneron. I think that Len Schleifer, everybody thought that their ILEA product was going to be dinged. That product's harder, harder to challenge than anybody realizes. I think you're in good shape. Why don't we go clear across the country to Denise in California? Denise. Hi. Um, listen, Intel got a shout out from President Biden at the State of the Union address. And I want to support U.S. chip manufacturers. But I'm down 10% and was contemplating the sell. What's your opinion, Jim, on Intel right now? Oh, Pat Gelsinger, yeah, congratulations on that shout-out by the president. Um, yields 3%. The group is hated. Very low P.E. Um, there are some high-growth stocks in that are just being shredded. A lot of people are saying there's a lot of inventory in the system. Uh, they knocked down Mike Ryan. The bears are in charge. I think Intel is not a stock to own. I'm sorry. It's just not. Not with all these great growth stocks going down every single day. Now, if you want to predict how the market will react next week, just ask yourself if you see the war in Ukraine ending anytime soon. That will tell you. Oh, man, buddy, tonight, Splunk is out of its funk. Soaring higher today with news that the bankable Proofpoint CEO Gary Steele is taking the helm. 
Could it be worth considering here? I love Gar. Don't uh, don't make a move. He, uh, he joins me tonight, and then we'll find out. Then Allbirds hasn't left the nest since coming public, down nearly 20% over the past week alone. What does the move signal for the company and its peers? I'm checking out the newly minted of Power Players. And Twinkies are said to last a lifetime. But could investment hosts last just as long? Hey, I'm sitting down with the CEO, and he's got game. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact, smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oh, my, it's been a rough week for the cloud stocks. Maybe the worst I've seen in a couple of years. But some of them still know how to rally. Take Splunk, the data monitoring and cybersecurity company. used to be one of our real favorites. Wednesday night, Splunk reported a shockingly strong quarter. The company delivered a monster revenue beat and earned 66 cents per share. And it's expecting them to lose 21 cents. I was blown away by this. Even better, management gave excellent forecasts for both the current quarter and the fiscal year. In response, the stock has rallied from 115 to 129 in the span of two days in the worst cloud stock tape I have ever seen. But given that Splunk's still down 27% from its November highs, more than 40% from its peak in 2020, I'm wondering if this is just the beginning of a long-awaited turnaround and that you need to be in. So let's check in with, yes, Gary Steele, the incoming CEO of Splunk, formerly a proof point to get a sense of his vision for the company. Wow, Gary, welcome back to Man Money. 
Thank you. It's great to be here, Jim. Well, it is a joy to see you. And I, you made so much money for people at your predecessor company. And I have to ask you point blank, why bother? You did great. You, you gave a great return. It was a fabulous run. Why go to Splunk? You know, I think Splunk's an amazing company, and I'm really honored to be here. You know, they've had a, just a tremendous history of phenomenal innovation. They've got a great product, and they're central to what everybody's worried about. They're worried about their cybersecurity posture. They're worried about um, managing complex apps, and Splunk's in the middle of all that. I think it has a tremendous future, and I love to be part of this journey. All right, but Gary, now there are a lot of people who said that uh, Splunk had been leaderless. Uh, you know, Doug, Doug Martin had been in the show a number of times, and then he vanishes. This is a fast-moving business. We don't know what happened to Doug. We do know this. There are a lot of people who want Splunk's business. They want to take it away, and it's a competitive industry. What are you seeing about the state of Splunk that made it so that it was the right thing for you? Yeah, what I see is an incredible customer loyalty with 95% of the Fortune 100, with very deep relationships, customers who um, want to buy more. And I feel like the positioning, the innovation of the company is amazing. And as you commented earlier, Splunk closed out a phenomenal quarter and a phenomenal year. And I want to thank all the Splunkers for that. So I'm stepping in at a great time. It's just great positioning. I think we've got um, a very optimistic path forward. Well, I always thought when Doug would come on because you would have the, the side that, you know, monitors the data and then you added some unbelievable cybersecurity. Now, you are Mr. Cybersecurity and you have seen what's happened. And I have to tell you, you taught us this thing is getting out of control. And it did. What are you seeing in terms of Russia? What are you seeing in terms of China? What are you seeing in terms of the ransomware and the guys with the Bitcoin, which you first turned me on? You told me that was happening. How bad are things? No, I think in this very unsettled geopolitical climate, customers and organizations around the world need to be on high alert. And Splunk is right in the middle of all that. We can be a tremendous partner to our customers. And there's incredible value that we can deliver because it's getting more complicated, not not easier. And Splunk really gives you the insight and visibility that you wouldn't get from any other product. So I feel like we're well positioned to really be a great partner in these troubled times. You had an amazing role at Ducks Approved Point in the end. Everyone was using it. We often talked about how the idea that there was another guy out there, Microsoft, which is a great company, but it wasn't their expertise. It was your expertise. Are you able to open that Rolodex and bring some of those customers over to Splunk? I sure hope so. I, I built a lot of relationships while I was at Proofpoint. I had a phenomenal run there. Just a tremendous um, experience for me. And I hope to bring a lot of that experience and a lot of those relationships with me. I think it's important to note that you had 70-plus consecutive quarters of growth at Proofpoint. That consistent. Something like that. Something like that. <laughs> I mean, you know, Spunk has been a little bit more episodic. Can you change that? You know, I hope so. I think that I can be a stabilizing force, a stabilizing force for the company, a stabilizing force for our customers, and um, deliver this next chapter for the company, which I just couldn't be more excited about. Now, where Doug used to come on and say, listen, we're almost to the point where people recognize the subscription revenue and the recurring revenue stream, but we're not there. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. Where is Splunk in making that great conversion? You know, Splunk really turned the corner this last quarter with uh, cresting $3 billion of ARR with phenomenal growth at that, at that scale. So 
I think it's going to be simpler and easier um, from this point forward. And I'm just looking forward to leading us from where we are. Now, do you uh, who are the partnerships with its Splunk? Because I know uh, it's really important in this business. Like I, I had Okta the other day, Ron, you know, Okta, and I was saying, listen, yes, who sir. are you guys partner with? They said, well, you know, we do business with everybody. We have to do business with everybody. And Splunk, are you guys doing it? Are you uh, because, you know, very all similar these companies. Who are the some yeah, companies very, you work with? Yeah, very robust partner community across global integrators, across resellers, um, everybody wants to work with Splunk. And it's really because of the incredible innovation and the products that we have and offer and the role that we're playing as a, as a critical piece of infrastructure for companies. So I couldn't be more excited about the opportunity with partners because I think it can be a great accelerant to the business here. Uh, I've always viewed Splunk as a U.S. company. Uh, I think that the growth in inter- is international because that's where everyone, you know, look, Europe is being hacked like mad. They just don't talk about it. Uh, can you change that to make it so that it's uh, a different ratio? I, I think I can. And um, there's clearly plenty of opportunity outside the U.S. Uh, Splunk's did a great job building the foundation for that growth over the coming quarters. And so I, I think I can be a catalyst for it. And give me uh, one, one last thing. Uh, if the U.S. government is not being funded well. And yet the most obvious target for hacking, for email, for everything is the federal government. How much danger we are with the fact that the government is well underspent when it comes to cybersecurity? You know, I just I I think we're in a different time today. Um, I think every organization, whether you're a government organization or you're a, a public company or private company, and no matter what size you are, you've got to be investing in cybersecurity. There's no choice. And in particular, in these um, turbulent geopolitical times, it's more critical than ever. And I think the thing that the, one of the reasons I'm standing here, Jim, is because I'm so excited about the opportunity to drive growth in our business because of the role that Splunk can play to help organizations, whether they be government organizations or private organizations. I just think there's a tremendous opportunity here. Well, I'm glad you have always been a great friend of the show. And may I just had that Splunk, same thing, always a great friend of the show, because I love the businesses that you run. I want to thank Gary Steele. He's the incoming CEO of Splunk, which, by the way, changes my view about this company rather radically, as did that quarter. Thank you, Gary. Great to see you. Good seeing you. Thank you, Jim. Keep your eye on this one. It's there. Their money's back after the break. They might have a place in your closet, but after their recent sell-off, Kramer's sizing up the newest apparel and footwear stocks on the street to see if these retailers deserve a place in your portfolio. Next. You seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. A 
at the end of what was definitely one of the most difficult weeks in the market that I can remember, I think it may be the perfect moment to survey some of the devastation in the stock market. See if we can learn some lessons, not necessarily buy any stocks, but lessons about the beaten down NASDAQ and the IPOs we've seen, which continue to lead the market lower. In the last couple of years, we've had a flood of IPOs. And throughout this whole period, you know, I warn you that many of them were just way too dangerous to touch. I said it to you again and again sell, and sell, again. Sell, 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 sell. Well, they had stratospheric valuations that I knew had to eventually crash to earth. <laughs> but before the Fed started signaling that it was ready to tighten in November, well, it was easy to convince yourself that these newly minted stocks were worth owning. Since then, though, millions of investors have been hurt. We have to review what happened so it never happens again to you. So tonight I want to focus on some of the most recognizable brands that came public in this period. And these were kind of showcase brands. And, and now, now we've seen their stocks annihilated. I, I, it's not because I want to toot my own horn. It's too late for that. It's, I was warning it. But it's because I think sifting through the wreckage can help you become a better investor so you know what to avoid not to what you should buy. So let's start with one that all of my friends were crazy about when it came public, a company called Allbirds. That's that eco-friendly footwear brand that came public in early November at $15 a share before jumping to $32 at its peak just later that day. Since then, though, it has been all downhill. I didn't actually want to talk about this one until a month later when Allbirds had already come down to 16 and change. But even after that epic decline, I told you, you got to stay away. Got to stay heck away because the valuation was still insane. Looking back, the problem with Allbirds and its fellow travelers is that you had way too many naive investors buying this thing without any regard for the price, simply because they liked the brand. They wore the shoes. Right out of the gate, this unprofitable little shoe company was valued at a ridiculous, absurd $4.7 billion. When you consider that it's on track to do just over $350 million in sales this year, with only a 25 to 30% growth rate. Now, that's not bad at all, but it's not worth 13 times sales either. Maybe 13 times earnings. Uh, even in a forgiving market that loves high-flying stocks with no earnings, something had to give here. Even when Allbirds had pulled back to 16 in December when we first covered it, it was valued at roughly 6.5 times sales. At that time, I said, don't even think about buying it until it drops below 12. Turns out we weren't nearly negative enough. Allbirds broke down to the low teens in late January, then fell to the high single digits in late February. Last Thursday, we saw something incredibly interesting, though. Allbirds reported second earnings report as a public company, and its results were slightly better than expected. The full-year forecast was solid, too. However, management's guidance for the current quarter came in a tiny bit light. Initially, the stock tumbled 12%, but then the market bounced off its lows, and it finished the session down only slightly. Well, that turned out to be a trap, though. In the six sessions since that last Thursday, Allburns has fallen another two bucks or so. Remember, on a percentage basis, that's huge. And it now trades at six and change. The company's valued at less than one billion at this point, or 2.6 times sales. That's really the problem here. When the, the momentum turns, it's impossible to say what an unprofitable consumer products company like Allburns is really worth. There's just no telling where it will find a floor. So while I'm tempted to say there isn't much downside left for the stock at six and change, you really can't say that with any certainty no matter how much you like the shoes. Next up, another footwear story. Different, though. A little more positive. On Holden. That's the Swiss company that makes performance running shoes. This one came public at $24 back in September, jumped to $40 in its first days of trading, before pulling back to, the, to 30 by the end of the month. 
We covered on holdings in October when it was still in the high 20s. I was conflicted on this one because unlike all birds, on holdings is profitable. The valuation didn't seem too crazy either. But there was one thing that kept me on the sidelines here. I couldn't recommend the stock because on holdings makes nearly all the shoes in Vietnam. Given that the Vietnamese government took aggressive action to limit the spread of the Delta variant, something that Nike said hurt its manufacturing, I was worried because, well, for on holding, that would mean that would be the mother of all supply chain problems. Now, when these guys reported the first quarter out of the gate in November, the results were truly excellent. Guidance was encouraging. Stocks soared. But that was right before the growth stock sell-off that I've been talking about endlessly, right before it went into full gear. As a result, this stock has plunged 60% from its November highs. At the same time, the Omicron strain is now surging in Vietnam. So it's possible the supply chain issues are worse than expected. Of course, the supply chain is the only real negative here, aside from the fact that the stock has gone out of style on the Wall Street fashion show I always talk to you about. At some, at some level, I think on holding will be worth picking at. But I don't know if we're there yet, and there's no reason to be a hero. You can afford to take your time. Third newly minted apparel play. Well, did I ever tell you to steer away from this one? Rent the runway. The extremely cool service, not stock, but cool service that lets women uh, rent designer clothing uh, other, uh, you know, on a one-off basis or uh, part of a subscription program. And remember, subscription programs always attract people because there's annuities to them. Now, Rent the Runway came public in late October 21, and stock jumped to 24 before pirouetting lower and finished the first day at 19. Really bad sign. I didn't even bother highlighting this one at the time because the top financials were so toxic. Even though Rent the Runway's got an incredible concept as a business, well, they're practically burning money, chimney, putting it right in the chimney, you know, right in the fireplace. When the company reported its first quarter out of the late, out of the late in early December, it, 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 they had terrific user growth. We knew they were going to have that. Terrific revenue growth. We knew that. But they lost nearly $88 million when Wall Street was only looking for a $65 million loss. People, that's horrendous. Since then, the stock has been more than cut in half, justifiably. Now, rent the runway eventually seemed to find a floor in the mid-single digits. It's been bouncing around between four and six, four and six for over a month. And you could argue that this has the makings of a decent reopening story. However, I don't want to stick my neck out on something that's so deeply unprofitable at a time when the Fed is getting ready to tighten. If you want an apparel stock that can be bought at a discount, you know what I'd rather buy? I'd rather buy Macy's. See that? They're putting an excellent quarter last week. Yet it got zero credit for it because the tape's been so ugly. Macy's at the added advantage of being cheap, trading it to less than six times earnings. All right, let me give you one more quick hit. It's, it's uh, real, real. This is an online consignment shop for luxury goods. My wife uses it. But last Wednesday, the real, real reported a mixed quarter that I thought was pretty discouraging, at least in terms of the forecast. Even their adjusted earnings for interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization aren't expected to turn positive until 2024. No, thank you. Here's the bottom line. I hope you'll learn from the losses in these newly public stocks, which I tried to get you out of. When you see a massive flood of IPOs, it's often a real bad sign. Oh, was it? I hope you took my advice and steered away from these names, because if so... I think you could have saved yourself a lot of money. How about Steve in Maryland? Steve. Oh, yeah. How you doing, buddy? Oh, man. Well, you know, we had a big investment talk today, and I had a kick out of it, even though I think the market's so bad, and I feel so bad about Ukraine. I don't know. What's going on with you? I feel you. I feel you. Well, first off, I'd like to thank you for always pointing out how important it is to diversify. That's helped me a lot over the years. My stock is Callaway. Callaway acquired Topgolf and Jack Wolfskin about a year and a half ago. It's my understanding that Topgolf was a very good acquisition. Is that true? Also, is the acquisition of Jack Wolfskin turning out to be a good choice? 
You, you never know, hear anything about that. Well, you know, Jim, I've had this stock for maybe two years now. Would you hold this stock or take the profits? Well, it did say something about how it's having some problems with with you know with making the investments. They said they had to put financing transactions indefinitely on hold, and I think that really freaked people out um, because I got to tell you, I like it. Uh, I like it a lot, and it's come down a great deal. So I'm with you. Look, it, I think it reflects the negatives here. I think it's a real good company. Now I'm going to go to oh Rambo in California, Rambo. Oh, yeah, Jim. This is Rambo in San Jose. Hey, Jim, oh, Rambo, how you doing? Thank you so much for that great call. Oh, thank thank you. you so much for that great call this morning. That was thank wonderful. Thank you. And I know it's a tough tape, and we own some growth stocks, and it's been tough, but we do our best. What's up? Thank you for those words. Jim, yeah, Jim, I really like Nike. I know that this was a club name last year, yes. and we sold it in the 130s because of fears of how China was going to affect it. Right. Well, uh, this was right before that huge short squeeze that drove it to above $170. Right. Well, Jim, the price is back again to the low 130s. Uh, the China fears have been put to, re- to rest for the most part. Uh, analysts have a price target of about $180 on it right now, and the stock has a forward P.E. of about 29x. Um, is this a good time to buy back into Nike, or should I be concerned right. that inflation? Well, is it's just you mentioned. I mean, the, we made good money on it, and then we left it, but we obviously left it too soon. Here's what I'm worried about with Nike: I am generally worried about the Korea, the uh, South Vietnam problem. I'm sorry, Vietnam. Jeez, I'm dating myself because of of Omicron. It's it's hurt a bunch of companies, and I think it could hurt them too. So uh, while I ni- like Nike, I cannot stick my neck out on it. Although I will tell you. I think a long-term investor who puts someone at 130 and then puts someone, say, at 120, if the quarter's not that good, will do fine because they are cleaning up and doing great direct-to-consumer. Thank you for the kind words. Uh, So I'm not positive or negative on Nike right now. I just fear owning stocks with Vietnamese connections. And, boy, I love Vietnam. I just wish it was just terrible COVID. All right, remember, when you see a flood of IPOs all at once, that is a very bad sign. I hope you steer clear of these names and save yourself a lot of money. Now, much more made money ahead. A good hostess. Yes, Twinkies. Give your portfolio something to snack on. I'm sitting down with the CEO. Find out if shares could offer up a sweet treat. Then, uh, miss today's Investment Club monthly meeting? I'm breaking down all that I learned from the bankable Devon Energy CEO, Rick Moncrief. You do not want to miss this. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. It is time! Stop the light round! What's up, And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Keep that to the lightning round. Let's go to Richard in Nevada. Richard! Hey, ski daddy and chill. Um, I, I know you're high energy, so I'll keep it pithy. They fix the balance sheet, have a decent dividend, and a solid buyback. EVs use four times the copper of a gas powered vehicle. A 20% byproduct of their production is gold, and you get a Molly kicker. Do I have more sense with this kicker? FCX. It's still incredibly cheap, you know, that I, I was thinking about trying to buy this or a barrack for my chapel trust because copper hit an all-time high today, and these guys have great assets. I think you've really got game with that one. Sarah in my home state of New Jersey. Sarah. Hi, Jim. Thanks Hi. for taking my question. Sure. What do you think about Progress Software? 
It seems to be trading at a fairly attractive multiple for a software company. I agree. I mean, I've always thought that maybe it was going to get a takeover or something because it is so cheap. But you know what? There's so many database software companies now, Sarah. I just can't own it unless you think you can get a takeover. And boy, the just part in the FTC here seem to be conspiring against takeovers. Let's go to Jason in Florida, please. Jason. Chill, man. What's up? Oh, Jason, I don't know, man. We had a great club meeting today. I was so happy. I got to talk to, I think, like 15 different people in the club. What's going on? I'm calling um, about this stock that I bought because I wanted to be part of the future. I'm talking about space, the final frontier, Virgin Galactic. It's Yeah, I'll tell you. It... I agree that space is the final frontier, but I don't think it's an investable frontier. It's just a final frontier. Let's go to Andrew in New York. Andrew. Hey, calling in from the absolute ludicrous money investment group. How are you, Jim? I am doing well. How about you? Excellent. I am calling about a manufacturer and distributor of engineered decking, railing, and outdoor living products and accessories for the residential and commercial markets in the U.S. Um, they reported earnings for Q4, missed and experienced some margin erosion. Trading near its 52-week low, the ticker is TREX, E-R-E-X. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, this thing has gotten, I mean, to tell you that this thing is, is, is out of favor is ridiculous. And people also think that, you know, that home sales are going to get weak. They did not do what I wanted to see. Um, they only beat the number by a little bit. I've been expecting beat and raise, beat and raise, and then the earnings per share for the actual quarter was terrible. So the answer is no thank you. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Earlier today, Devon Energy CEO joined Kramer for the monthly CNBC Investing Club meeting. Stay tuned. For highlights from the interview with the Energy Titan. Kramer, you are super. You are awesome. I'm a first-time investor. Thank you for inspiring me to get in the game. Your show is the best. I am so glad you're on TV. I want you to know that you have transformed me. Thank you, Kramer. When you start thinking about your investment decisions of upping capital budgets, trying to grow more, you know, you really have to think about inflationary pressures. And then you also have to think that it will be uh, maybe a year uh, when you start seeing that production really come in, uh, come in. So I think most most companies, uh, publicly traded companies such as ourselves, would be very thoughtful, very cautious. We've had some head fakes. Uh, we understand the, uh, the concern about uh, commodity prices uh, right now. But uh, we just need to, I think, be, uh, be somewhat uh, patient and disciplined and stay focused. Look, if you want oil to come back down, we desperately need the exploration production companies to start drilling like crazy. But it's not happening. Hey, that's really my takeaway from talking with Rick Moncrief. He's the CEO of Devon Energy, by the way, the number one performing stock in the S&P last year, for our CNBC Investing Club's monthly conference call. Rick's the dean of the oil patch. He's one of the most thoughtful CEOs I have ever met. First sat down with him in a helicopter touring the Bakken Shale 11 years ago. He pioneered a new way of running an oil business last year when he decided to hold back on drilling. 
and instead returned half of Devon's free cash flow to shareholders. Thanks to that generous uh, variable dividend, he gives it out, uh, changes. The stock now supports about a 7% yield, even after its miraculous run from the low 20s a year ago to the high 50s today. See, but I, when I talk to them, because we own the stock, greedily wanted him to do more drilling. I'm thinking with West Texas crude at $115 as it is now, after another big jump today, it'd be worth it to open the spigot, make more money. No dice. Rick said it just wasn't going to happen. See, he thinks this could be just a temporary blip. And by the time he brought those rigs on that he was talking about, and he did the drilling and got the new wells up and running, it might be a year from now. And who knows where oil will be then? He pointed out that the oil future showed the crude could be lower real soon. And he doesn't want to violate his discipline in that situation. He's not going to get caught. And this remarkable run, I've been eyeing Halliburton, a terrific oil service te- uh, company, waiting for discipline execs like Rick to give a little and start maybe losing some of their discipline and up spending on wells. I thought this price would be irresistible for them. Turns out I was wrong. So the bat is staying on my shoulder for now. Believe me, though, if Halliburton's stock comes in, I want to buy it. Because not all the producers will be as disciplined as Devin in the end. In fact, there are already a bunch of privately held firms that are drilling like crazy and need all the rigs they can get. They want the cash flow. They alone could give me enough room to make the call to buy Halliburton. But let's go back to Rick for a second. If you watch the club call, and I really think you should, you now know why I think Devin is such a fine company. It's got incredibly low costs, $30 a barrel for heaven's sake. And those costs are still coming down thanks to the WPX merger with Devin. Plus, they're using this moment of strength to pay down debt so they won't be stretched if the price of crude plummets back down. Conservatism. Rick has a commitment to scaling back his carbon footprint, too. Now, at the moment, oil represents about 4% of the S&P 500. It used to be much higher. I'd say that's very wrong. It should be much higher now with companies like Devon that are being extremely disciplined and turning cash to shareholders aggressively. I take calls during the monthly meeting, and one caller asked me what would be a good hedge against all the craziness out there. I said it's real simple. Only an oil and gas stock. That's the best hedge. I should have even made it easier. Own Devon Energy. That's your insurance policy against continued geopolitical chaos. Hey, maybe that's one that's the only one you need. Wow. I'd like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you next time. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.